Previously on Story Jazz, Hexes and Lead. Sheriff Dandelion, you gotta see this. You know I wouldn't lie to you and I I, I wouldn't hallucinate a uh, plant person. <laughs> she said he smells like brimstone. Heather, I know where he's going. He's going up the hill. The two pairs of suction cup hooves climb up the vertical cliffside. Anthony, good evening. Dandelion. How'd you do? Says the hunter. I've already told you all I know. Sheriff, I saw the boy get dragged off by bandits. I saw old Farmer Abe shoot after him. Farmer Abe, I know you've already seen my deputy and you're not in trouble. You just gotta tell me which way the the bandits, the posse, took him. And Abe sighs and points the carrot north. I would very much like to be released now, please. Marty Green watches as his limp form starts to slip and then fall right out of the saddle and onto the ground with a large thump. A newspaper clipping saying, Tumble Talon Gulch sold off. Marty turns around and goes, ah! Oh boy! There's a large gnarled bed with a man lying in it with carrots growing out of him in every which direction. Well, as far as I am concerned, Tumble Talon Gulch is, is no longer a home for us. But it's its ancestral lands. It's important to, to remain on our ancestral lands. I, I believe in the boss's mission. And with that, a gunshot rings out over the canyon. And all five individuals look straight out the invisible wall. It's Anthony. Hello, everyone. Hello, Sam. Hi. Hello, all of our listeners that can't hear or see us. Hi, Softy Chan. Oh, I. You're, you're back with Story Jazz, back on the air. I am back. <laughs> and this time, I'm not in the desert, everyone. I'm coming from, from the mountains. So I hope that the audio quality of this episode is up to par. Ooh. Um, actually, you, you sound very mountainous. Mountainous. Ah, well, I do like to be mountainous. There's a lot of reverb. <laughs> So where do we want to start continuing our adventure? <laughs> well, I, I I know exactly where we're going to start, and you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna bend to my whim. Um, I want to do the entire bar scene. I want to know every detail that happened that night, and then come back to the present to see what happens next. That's awesome. You know what? I was thinking the exact same thing, and I think here's here's an idea. I think maybe Mama Leslie already told Dandelion what she saw that night. Yep. Why wouldn't she have? Why wouldn't she have? So that's where we start, right? You want to bring us in? The saloon doors swing open, and our knobby-kneed individual walks through. But instead of a face of tangleweeds like we're expecting as we're sitting on the edge of our seats waiting for the next chapter of our story, <laughs> we see a flesh face, a curious, horrifying ooey, gooey mass of flesh wrapped around something that could only be described as a tumbleweed creature within. But the figure walks in, and everyone in the saloon is too drunk to notice the <laughs> three-fingered, gnarly, forked-like hands as they pat on one table to the next, trying to figure out which of these flesh creatures is Anthony, <laughs> until the Friar Pendleton-sized hole gives way to our Navi need friend, and Anthony looks up from his empty shot glass. Evening, Anthony says, as the tumble man sits down across from him, nervously looking over their shoulders. Already, the scent of brimstone washes into Anthony's nostrils, and he twitches his nose. The tumble person, or brimstone boyadero, if you might have guessed, puts both clogs up on the stool beside him and looks Anthony straight in the eyes. Red beads glistening under the <laughs> makeshift face <laughs> of probably like cow leather and glue. Yes, very Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, we need a voice for this character. The nose is made of a parsnip. Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, you gotta do it. I'm Anthony, so... Boy, there um, that's pretty good. You are Anthony, aren't you? 
I don't know if this is audible on your end. It is. It is. A very low voice, but uh, mine is your... very low as well, so it should make <laughs> for a very ASMR-like experience. Boys. Just uh, drinking tequila in the slow. Too low, low voice, boys. Just, too just low voice, inhaling boys. tequila fumes from empty shot glasses together. I do love empty shot glasses <laughs> of tequila fumes. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Um, I am Anthony, yes. And you must be this brimstone boyadero. Many know me as that. Do you have the gun I seek and the bullets to follow through? Anthony hesitates. Don't hesitate. (laughs) We hired you for one job. We revealed ourselves to you, and we do not take kindly to treachery again from the likes of you, flesh people. I do have your gun, but I think I should advise you that it might be best that I hold on to the bullets for now. And Anthony reaches under the table and brings out a big wooden case, um, sets it on the table, and pushes it toward the boyadero. Do you know what happened to our people the last time a flesh person said they'd hold on to something for us? Ah, do you know how much we lost? I know. I know your story, but let me tell you this. As much as certain individuals might tell you otherwise, out here on the frontier, the only thing that counts is firepower. And y'all didn't have that firepower when we first rolled in. And now you're just a, a footnote to our histories. And, well, arming yourself now is probably the right move, but... You shouldn't be reckless. You can't afford to. Who's been reckless? The boyadero gets heated, his mask slipping. Who's been reckless? Who's been wielding firepower with abandoned in this canyon, in this gulch that belonged to us and our people for so long? You dare tell me to hold on to my tongue? To bite back on my own bullets when it is you and your people who have wronged us for centuries. Suddenly, Anthony notices the music has gone still. The boyadero is standing now, twig-like hands smashed into the table. In the corner, Mama Leslie is leaning forward, squinting one eye, (laughs) curling her phantom toes (laughs) as she tries to make out Is that really him? Is that that fabled rider from hell? She's heard stories, but can it really be? Conway, clueless, leers over at Jackie on the piano and says, Jackie! Say, Jackie, why don't you keep playing that piano? uh?" (laughs) Is that that Conway's voice (laughs) for that one? (laughs) Honestly, that just happened, so Love it, I guess point. so. Hey, Jackie, why don't you keep playing that piano? <laughs> That's wonderful. Anybody else want another bottle of tequila? Pull one out of the back and I'll juggle it just like I did the last one before. <laughs> Finally, a voice that both of us can do. The brimstone boy Adara stares down at Anthony. The, the saloon buzz around him, ignoring him. Ignoring the plight he feels he's felt from the blood of his people for so long. Anthony says... Oh, Mr. Boyadero, really, please, take the gun. I'll give you the bullets next week, as soon as you and your fellas have told me what your plan is. Because at this time, my uh, assumption is you're about to do something very uh, drastic. 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 What is... (laughs) 
and the the boyadero sits back down, his fork-like hand wrapping around the bottle of beer that's been set, the bottle of sarsaparilla that's been set in front of him. (laughs) What's drastic is what was done to us those years ago. No negotiations. A language we didn't understand, a pact that we formed without understanding the consequences of it. Our homes sold, our land taken, our people relegated to a world invisible to all that we hold dear. You know what we want, Anthony the Hunter. We want our land back. And with that, the Boyadero closes one hand around the wooden case in the center of the table, opens the clasps, looks inside, and takes out the gun. It's a revolver, one of these modified magical revolvers, not made for killing, but made for shooting a very specific type of bullet. What type, we don't know, but... What we do know is there is a name engraved on the handle, and it says, Georgina Tappertellen. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God. How does that make sense? We don't f- fucking know yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, uh, Anthony makes a hand gesture to the Boyadero to, to, to not wave the gun around too much. The Boyadero nods annoyed, looks at the gun under the table, pops out the drum. There aren't any bullets loaded. Anthony, are you sure this isn't uh, an issue of payment? Are you not holding us hostage to your desires like your fellow flesh people? Your greed overcome by any notion of justice? Once again, turning your back on those in need in the face of something you know is so wrong. I don't make any judgments, Mr. Boyadero. I only take the opportunities life gives me, and I'm, I've elected to assist you in this matter. You should be grateful for that, at least. We can meet again next grateful. week for the bullets. Now, I would advise you to leave before makeshift mask of yours slips off. I wouldn't have to wear this mask if I had the bullets now. Anthony gets up and starts leaving. The, the boyadero charges after him, grabs him by the nape of the neck, and pulls him around. Anthony the hunter. Anthony has his hand on the handle of his relongver, the long, long, long barrel in its leg holster, which goes all the way down to his foot, um, <laughs> glinting as it peeks out. What is, what is Conway's voice again? It's the uh, announcer style, like, hey, Jackie, put out another Jackie, stone, right? yeah. <laughs> Oh boy, we've got a we got a fight in here. All right, let's uh put it let's calm it down a little bit. I could bore you guys both an extra an extra shot glass of tequila and we can calm it down now, can't we? Come on. Everybody likes Conway's no name saloon. You wouldn't want to mess up my chairs or my table or my deck of playing <laughs> cards. Come on. The brimstone boyadero turns around to lock eyes with Conway, the bartender, and says, spitting sawdust as he does, This is none of your business flesh person. His mask is holding on by a hair now, and as Anthony jerks away in the in this moment of distraction and pulls his relongver out, still pointed at the floor, but present and serious, the brimstone boyadero is sort of whipped around by the motion, and the mask disconnects and splats to the ground in a heap of wet skin, and the boyadero Shocked, pulls down his uh, cowboy hat. His, his wide som- hat. His, his yeah. hugely wide sombrero. <laughs> and um, huffs and looks up at Anthony from underneath the brim with a gleaming red eye. And in that same moment, Mama Leslie jumps up. Certain now, this is that rider from hell. This is the brimstone boyadero. And she yells, it's a rider from hell. <laughs> and she pulls the revolver out of her hip holster and points it directly at our tangle man in the center of the room. Mama Leslie, what are you doing? (laughs) Conway calls (laughs) as he um, ducks down behind the bar. He's made it a matter of principle to not have a sawed-off shotgun down there. There's just a bunch of sawed-off shot glasses. (laughs) 
from behind the bar, clutching a, a sawed-off shot glass in his hand. Uh, Conway yells back over the bar. All right, I think we're going to close up this bar early. I think we're going to have to push our tequila night and uh, maybe the, the rest of the poker game over to the next evening. Why don't you all file out in a single file order as uh, quickly as possible <laughs> for your safety and for mine. Everybody groans. Jackie stops playing. J- Jackie starts playing, actually, the <laughs> sort of leaving the bar now tune. What is that song that, like, um, you, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here? Um, it's closing time. You know what I it's mean? It's closing time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jackie starts playing that uh, and as they do everybody sort of almost automatically because they're like Pavlovian trained to (laughs) respond to this music um, starts filing out Victoria unravels her sexy legs from around the dude she was Victoria gets carried out by the the man she was sitting upon she she doesn't unravel Um, she tightens her legs around there we go her victim I mean her victim the the poker table clears out everybody pocketing fistfuls of cash from the table uh, the other the other tables in the bar clears out as people nervously stare at the the sculptural wooden man in the center mama leslie's revolver still trained on the brimstone boyadere in the center of the room everybody sort of nervously shuffles out not sure what they saw but prepare to continue the evening at their own abodes ultimately it's just leslie conway jackie and Anthony and the Boyadero who are left in the saloon. And it's eerily quiet now. One revolver pointed at the floor. One revolver pointed at the Boyadero. One piano being played. And one sawed-off shot glass being clutched. <laughs> Jackie, Jack, Jackie. Conway does a little, like, cut, cut it out gesture, like a hand across the neck gesture to Jackie. And Jackie, oh, yeah. Because the, the, the happy music wasn't really befitting the scene. Jackie closes the piano with the light and runs off as well. Don't need to introduce more characters. <laughs> Jackie disappears forever. <laughs> All right, you two, uh, I'm going to need you to leave the bar as well, Conway says. Mama Leslie, you can go up back on to the attic where you sleep like a ghoul. <laughs> and uh, I don't want any shootouts in my establishment now. Conway, you don't have the memories that I do, but I remember the war, and I know who the enemy is. She cocks the hammer. And there was one boyadero we never caught. Only a trail of brimstone left behind until now. And she fires her revolver. Boy. But we see as the audience a bullet exit the barrel and fly ever so slowly towards our brimstone, tangleweed-faced Boyadero. And right before it makes it there, Anthony the Hunter's revolver fires as well, directly into the floor. And time stops. Okay. Okay. I love that. Um, you know what? Can we cliffhang the bar scene for now and then just All right, great. like just pick up the last part of it later and, and do the and continue the story from here for now. Yeah. From where we left off last last time, you know? Okay. I'm gonna continue. A small rain cloud forms of the edge of the cliffs high above the canyon opening. As one Anthony the hunter steps aside and fiddles with his revolver, goes wrong bullet, <laughs> and then he rotates the drum one click and fires up in the air again. This time, sending a cloud of sand falling from the sky, a sand that illuminates the small hunting cabin below and reveals it to the world in a pitter patter of glowing bluish. Cyan, aquamarine, teal, petrol, navy, turquoise. Just, just give us the color of blue that isn't bluish. A cyan pitter-patter outlines the shape of this little hut where Marty Green, sap drinker, sand kicker, two more tumble folk, and the brimstone boyadero infected with <laughs> carrots look out at the new arrival. Marty raises his eyebrows. I assume that's... <laughs> that's the Anthony you've been talking about? That's 
Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. Oh, that says to this voice, right? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's uh, that's Anthony the Hunter. Oh, good thing the boss is asleep. Cause he was, he was pissed. Okay. Um, I guess we'll, I guess we'll let him in. And then Sandkicker speaks up and says, are you, are you an idiot? We can't let him in. The boss said to capture him. We must set a trap. What kind of trap do you think we can conjure? He's already seen the house. Yeah, I think, I think at this point, you know, we've already failed at one kidnapping. Better not add another to the list of our crimes. And just, you know, uh, maybe, maybe Marty can, can talk some sense into, into the boss and, and, uh, I don't know, you know, right? You're a, you're a deputy. Yeah. Yes. I am. Sure. Is he awake yet? Or can we? Oh, the boss? No, but you gotta, like, talk to Anthony first. I've never, I don't. Okay. Sure, I'll, I'll mediate. I'm gonna be honest, you're, you're the first, you're the first flesh person I've talked to. Right, yeah. So you could just, if you just talk to Anthony and, and convince him to, like, uh, kidnap himself. (laughs) Marty, um, sort of introspects for a moment. And yeah, I mean, mediating conflicts, that is one of the main, main jobs that you would have as a deputy. This is what he signed up for. He swallows and says, sure, I'll, um, I'll do my best. Great, great. Um, and uh, Sap Drinker urges Marty out of the door, down the steps, right beside the rope that was once wrapped around Marty's feet, dragged him along the desert floor, <laughs> and then pushes him out of the door of the small little hut, and then closes it behind him quickly. But wait, so Marty is out there alone now? Yeah, out there alone. <laughs> <laughs> he appears out of nothing as Anthony is um, not taking the winding path down the, hill, down the cliff, but vertically trotting down the side of the cliff on his gecko horse. And finally stops about 15 meters away. Hops up, hops off the horse. Oh, away. Calm yourself, Cher- Cheryl McAfee. Yep, that's my Cheryl ge- uh, McAfee. That's my gecko horse's I gotta, name. Um, but I have to do the Southern draw. Oh, yeah. I can't do Marty's voice, so I've got to learn... Uh, Anthony, the hunter's voice. Is this about it? Uh, I think you're doing fine. Is that, yeah. Is that, um, uh, Is it a little gravelly, or is it I'm doing? Uh, uh, my Anthony, the I hunter. think that's good. <laughs> no, it's more like that. Okay. okay. Um, you must be Marty Mer- Green, Martin Martin Green, Martin Green. Marty um scratches the peach fuzz on his chin. Ah. Uh, Yes, I'm the deputy of uh, t- of the Gulch. You know that there's a there's a, there's a sheriff out there looking for you. You might want to hurry on home, Marty. Marty swallows. He, um, I'm actually here on official sh- sheriff's duty. He says. Was uh, being kidnapped and dragged along the desert floor at, uh, you know, a gentle canter, part of your sheriff, sheriffly, deputyly duties there, Deputy Green. In this case, yes, Mr. Hunter, sir. Uh, sorry, he pulls out his notebook from some <laughs> pocket, looks at it again. <sighs> right, Anthony. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I, I did uh, introduce myself, didn't I? I don't know if I did. I'm Anthony. Yeah. Oh, and yes, it says right here, Anthony. Actually, I haven't crossed your name off the list yet. Um, Could you, would you, because j- you happen to be here out in the middle of nowhere, would you happen to be willing to answer some questions? This isn't about the uh, car insurance uh, overdue payments or anything, is it? Car? Car? You have a car? <laughs> no, never mind. Um, Gecko horse insurance. I'm sure he meant. What? What questions do you? What? What questions do you have, uh, Deputy Green? The hunter narrows his eyes. Um, were you at the No Name Saloon uh, two nights ago? You know, during the night of the single shot that was fired. Anthony the hunter glances up at the the shimmering disappearing and reappearing cabin behind them. I think, uh, Southern Draw, Southern Draw, okay. I think you already know the answer to that one, Marty Green. All right, so I'll take that down as a 
confession? I'm not confession to anything. Confession that you were present, at least. Um, <clears throat> confirmation. I'll confirm I was there. Good. Did you fire a shot that night? I did fire a shot that night, but I didn't shoot anyone. Or maybe I should just lie. Maybe Anthony would just lie. Probably. Um, I already have, I mean, whatever you want, but I just had the thought that people only heard one shot. I mean, it makes sense that a, sh- a shot frozen because, in time. Because the time bullet, yeah, the, the time the time bullet. Wouldn't make any sound. Um, Wouldn't make any sound because it would, or it would, but only within the frozen time. Yeah. You know. Okay, wait, I'll, I'll just redo that one. Uh, Anthony looks back and forth between the, the little deputy's eyes and lies. No, I didn't shoot no shot that night. I didn't. Shot, no shot. But then you saw who actually fired a gun, right? You were there when it happened? I was there. And? Anthony looks out at the house again and then back as if he's being watched. I think the the question you're asking is more complicated than the answer you're going to receive, Deputy Green. So a simple answer then? <laughs> I mean, the answer to your question is Mama Leslie. And suddenly, we're back in the bar scene, back in the middle of that fateful night. Two guns have just been fired, and Anthony breathes deep. He can feel the effect of the bullet he's just fired, a bullet he bought 22 years ago while he was traveling the ocean on Three Heads Island. A bullet he never thought he'd have to use. But he's always kept it in the last chamber of his relongver, just in case. He's not gonna let Mama Leslie's bullet hit the Boyadero. Not so much out of the goodness of his heart, but out of an unfulfilled business deal. But he's only got a few seconds before the effect wears off. He grabs the boyadero by the the scruff of his neck, the scruff of his jacket, and effortlessly, in the paused time world, tosses him through the double swinging doors of the saloon. Once the boyadero is safe, Anthony slips past the bullet suspended in the air and grabs Mama Leslie, her muzzle flash still brightening the room, picks her up and... and tosses her into a closet along the (laughs) stairs, right outside Conway's room. Then he rushes to grab Conway, but he sees that the bullet is speeding up. It's moving again. He doesn't have any more time. He's gotta run, he's gotta duck or something. If it hits the wall, who knows what'll happen. But before he can leave the bar, it's already going fast again. He throws himself behind a chair and at once, Time speeds up again. The bullet uh, uh, flies through the room and ricochets off a pan on the wall. (laughs) There's a small uh, from behind the bar. Then Anthony gets up and he just notices the last two nanoseconds of Conway's startled face as he dissolves and becomes invisible. Silence fills the room for a moment. Then, from the closet, we hear, My toes are missing. (laughs) Conway! Conway! And so, Anthony leaves. uh, A little nervous, a little concerned, uh, powerless and such. And once he's gone through the swinging doors of the empty saloon, there's nothing left inside but a floating shell just ejected from Mama Leslie's revolver. Music. Jason Derulo. Uh, <laughs> hey, everybody. Yeah, our, our theme song is actually made by Jason Derulo. <laughs> it is not. We can't. I'm sorry, Jason. I'm sorry, Mr. Derulo. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, Derulo Senpai, please do not sue us. But in, in, in real news, in real news, real news, 
It's lovely not to see you or hear you all. I've uh, I've missed you guys. I'm, I'm very glad to have you guys listening to this sort of uh, unique little arc that we put together. Yeah. Uh, this is the finale. I'm, I'm not sure how long it is, and I apologize if it's, it's it's a little longer than usual. It always is. It always is. Um, <laughs> if you don't, if you just don't establish a usual sort of length, then you know you're you're free to do whatever you want to. That's true. That's true. By the way, this is just us. Uh, reminding you, as we do every two weeks, to you know take good care of yourself and um, and be be nice to people around you. Wash your hands, wash your face, clean your butt. That's those are ways that you can be nice to people. <laughs> believe it or not, also wash other people's hands, yeah. wash other people's faces, and clean other people's butts. Yes, a- another way you can be nice is by uh, sub- sub- following us. <laughs> like if you want. <laughs> On various social media. What, what is our what is our social media again? As, I, I, I forgot. I believe it's at Story Jazz Cast, but I'm not exactly sure because it's only been about 23 episodes, and you know, <laughs> um, it's only about 23 times that we said at Story Jazz Cast. And, and there's also an email address, right, where you could talk to us. What is what is that? Story Jazzcast at gmail.com. Yeah, you can just oh wow, you can just type words into a computer, and they will arrive at our computer screens, and we will be, you know, appalled or endeared right on our virtual doorstep right on our virtual doorstep so stay safe y'all and uh we will not see or hear you very soon indeed we love you we love you deputy green raises an eyebrow looks down at his list and sees that mama leslie is the last name on the list ranked in order of importance as we remember (laughs) Okay. He tries to make sense of it in his head. He can't remember. Did anybody tell him who Mama Leslie was before? Probably. Uh, Why does he have such a bad memory when it comes to names? As if reading Martin Green's mind, Anthony the Hunter answers the very question. Mama Leslie is old Conway's grandmother. A relic from the old frontier wars. Back when the saloon was just being built. She's an old lady who can't always see straight or think right. So why did she shoot her own grandson? This doesn't... And Marty is sort of retreating into his own brain, like trying to figure out he doesn't have enough information. Ah, This is frustrating. If only Sheriff Dandelion was here. Anthony looks around nervously again in case he's being watched and says maybe that's a a job for a sprightly young deputy like yourself, and you should hurry on home and figure that out. I have business inside. And he starts walking toward the house, um, leading his gecko horse. What was what was the name? Cheryl Ma- Macrame. Cheryl McAfee. McAfee. I don't know why Macrame. Macrame. Hey, I, pff, whatever. That's okay. Probably a, uh, Cheryl McAfee, McAfee is a Newtown uh, theater actress that um, Anthony fell in love with as a and man. Cheryl McRae is the is the drag name <laughs> Cheryl McRae, yeah. Um, so he leads his gecko horse toward the shimmering house and sort of pushes past Marty, feeling in the air with one hand for where the door might be, as if he knew exactly where it was. Finally, his hand closes on a half-existent door handle and he's about to turn it when Marty says, wait, actually, uh, I was sent out here to negotiate with you. The hunter raises an eyebrow. Negotiate what, little deputy? Uh, Southern girl. Negotiate what, little deputy? I, uh, honestly, I don't know, but my tumblefolk hosts thought it might be best that I speak with you before you go in. Anthony relaxes a little bit and, and turns to Marty Green. And in a, in a stroke of sincerity we haven't seen from Anthony yet, he, he stoops a little lower, and so his eyes are even with Marty's, and he leans against his horse and says, <clears throat> Southern Grohl, do you know what's happening here, Deputy Green? Do you know what's happening behind the curtain? Marty hesitates, straightens his back, and says, I don't. Can't imagine that in 
Coxton, Newtown, or any of those newfangled eastern cities. They tell the story of the frontier, how it actually happened. But the history out here is darker and bloodier and filled with embarrassing histories far more treacherous than your eastern counterparts would pretend. Well then, I'll try to take that into account. But tell me, why are you here? What are you here to discuss with these fine tumble folk? Deputy Green, you have to understand I'm not a good man. Okay. Uh, He takes out his notebook again and writes, considers himself not to be a good man. I'm an opportunist. Okay. I live by what, what the wind sends my way. Sometimes it means doing right. Sometimes it means doing wrong. And... Lord Scott knows I've been doing a lot of wrong. But this time, here and today, I think I think I'm doing good. And he turns the handle and enters the house. Doing good today. <laughs> Marty Marty notes. What does he mean by that? And he taps his lip with his pen and then realizes, oh, he better follow him and runs inside the house as well. Inside we hear uh Yeah Oh boy. Oh, boy. As uh, Staff Drinker drops another glass on the ground full of sticky cactus juice. <laughs> just can't get a break. <laughs> can't get a break to just fucking drink some sap. Oh, uh, Marty. Um, wow. Now that I'm now that I'm looking at you, too, you really don't look yeah. anything alike. I'm so sorry, Marty. No, wait, wait. A Staff Drinker says this looking at Anthony. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and Marty says that that's I'm. That's actually Anthony. I'm oh, Marty. Boy, uh, sorry, not Anthony. Howdy, sap drinker. I believe we have a few things to discuss. Is that Anthony the Hunter? And with a oh, oh my goodness, sap drinker spins around and drops yet another glass of sap. <laughs> <laughs> the boss is awake, everybody. And Marty's like. We really should call you Sap Spiller, not Sap Drinker. I don't know about your name, but. <laughs> and Sap Drinker runs into the other room and says, Everybody help! Uh, help help the boss up! And with a creak of some carrots, the brimstone boyadero <laughs> sits up, propped up by some pillows against the back of the bed. And Marty and Anthony come in slowly afterward. Have you rethought our arrangement, Anthony the Hunter? Do you come to spit on me in bed? That sounds more sexual than I imagined when I said it. Wow, yeah. (laughs) That's, ooh, doggy. Actually, I'm not into that sort of thing, but, like, I could, you know, help you find somebody who... What about that nice wife of yours who showed up in episode one? Like, are we going to be able to bring her back into the story at any point? My wife is of no concern of yours unless you are here to help us like you agreed to do. I want what we traded for. I want our deal fulfilled. I want those bullets. I believe it is too late for any of that, says Anthony. It may be too late for me, but my people need their land. My people deserve their rights. I know. I'm with you. But, unfortunately, this deal is not um, panning out to look very desirable to me. And Anthony says, "Uh, based on our previous encounter in the saloon, uh, based on the people's reaction to your face, based on... What happened? I believe it would be unwise to allow you the power that you seek. Unwise to allow me the power to return to my own land with my own people after it's been disrupted by you. What what well, gives you the right to decide what is within my power or not? I do not have any right to decide this, Anthony says. None of us have any rights in this wretched world. What I have is a house up on a hill that I do not want to be burned down if things get too heated. 
I like living in my little spot. And unless you can pay for a train ticket to the to the north and a nice new cabin out there somewhere, if you can give me a new lease on life, then sure. Sure. That's my new price for the bullets. How about that? So this is this is again about yourself, Anthony the Hunter. It's always been. I thought you understood our plight. I thought when when you stumbled into our door, an exile from your own people, you understood what it meant to lose home, to lose sense of belonging. I thought you understood us. The Brimstone Boyadero looks over at his tumblefolk companions scattered throughout the room, looking in through door doorways, and at Marty Green, who stands at the back, arms crossed, <laughs> realizing he's really not helping as a mediator right now. I'm going to cut in some of those coughs because <laughs> we need him to be like dying. Yeah. Yes. Great. We'll cut those in. <laughs> I know you're no hero, but you have a sense of respect and you understood us. You know what those bullets could do. You know that those bullets can give us back a life in a world that we belong in. We don't want to be invisible we want our land back. We want our place back. We don't want to kill off your flesh cousins in the world. We just want our land back. You don't understand, Anthony says. You come back wielding this kind of power. People like that old lady. People who don't, truly don't, understand your plight. They will see you as... What they already see you as, riders from hell, demons of the frontier. They don't know about your existence for the most part. And they will take lead up against your hexes. And they will mow you down if they can. Then who? Anthony the Hunter, you the expert on flesh people. Who would you, who would you suggest that we approach with our dilemma? Who would you trust with these bullets to do right? By us. And Anthony pauses, genuinely thinking about this for a moment. And so does Marty. He racks his brain. And so does Sap drinking. He's like, well, maybe Gunshooter from, from that other clan. Uh, but nah, that person was a little bit unstable. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, there's a knock at the door. Um... This is a Sheriff Dandelion. Um, you know, I'm going to sort of ignore the, the building permits at the, at the mouth of the canyon. Um, but I, I do want to know why there is a small puddle of water at the base of this here hill. And um, all of the tracks seem to stop at this, well, I don't want to say invisible door because I can see it, but now I can't. So I would say invisible, but now I can see it. So it's not invisible. Well, I can't see it anymore. So it's <laughs> this semi-transparent door. I would... You know, for the safety of all individuals who might be transferring past this canyon, I want to avoid people running into this here. Well, invisible, well, non invisible door, invisible, do non invisible door. <laughs> <laughs> We've cut outside. We've cut outside at this point to Dandelion and Heather on their gecko horses. And Heather just sort of looking at Dandelion and then looking back at the phantasmal house, not house, house, no house, house, no house. And saying, um, Sheriff, who, who, what, how, you, you're talking to the people inside this house? Heather, I, I'm, I'm just trying to be polite. If there's somebody in this house now, I want to just, you know, I'm not just going to barge in. Hello? This is the sheriff. I uh, need to talk to you about a, a certain saloon incident. If Anthony is really in there... Maybe we should just barge in before anything drastic happens. Uh, Heather, the house is appearing and disappearing. We're past drastic at this point. <laughs> All right, so so super drastic. Is that the right term? And then the door opens. And Marty Green, with a big, like, relieved smile on his face, looks up. A Marty Grin. A Marty Grin. Looks up at the hour iron-shaped uh, Sheriff Dandelion and the, and the small Heather clutching the, the reins of a gecko horse. And looks so thankful to see someone that he he he's pretty sure won't just shoot him offhandedly. And if they do, 
than with a very like useful, helpful bullet, yeah. probably. <laughs> the frontier is so much more terrifying than he imagined. Marty Green. Well, there you are. I was beginning to think I'd have to hire a new deputy. It's too bad nobody's willing to feel that spot. And <laughs> Sheriff Dandelion glances over at Heather. Heather looks at the scabbed, scarred Marty Green, pieces of shrubs still sticking in his hair. The tumblefolk probably thought that was just part of his body, <laughs> uh, the most normal part of his body at that. And she says, yeah, looks like this one's rather sturdy. You guys, up until this point, I was pretty sure I might be dreaming, but you look pretty 3D and real to me, so... I'm just thankful that you're here. And he steps out of the invisible house and steps back and like looks up at it from between the two. This, this is so much more unreal than anything I was told. Like, I understand now why right. everybody says right, Green. that people drink crazy juice out here. Because right. this is, this is crazy juice. Deputy Green. Sorry. We can, we can do the debrief later, but I need you to debrief me right now. And, uh, Tell me what's going on. Cut to a few minutes later. Everybody is in the bedroom with the Brimstone Boyadero, gathered around what is looking to be his deathbed. Across his lap is a wooden case and old Georgina Tapper Talon's revolver. And across the room, in Anthony's hands, are three silver bullets. Actually silver or just like gleaming silver? Yes, there are werewolves in this story. <laughs> three, I mean, we can, at I, night is when I change, remember? Three, okay, three brass bullets. Sheriff Dandelion paces back and forth in between Anthony and the Boyadero, thinking, all right, I've got, um, I got one question before we, we make it any further down this, uh, down this deal that apparently has been struck. Um, what is what is your actual name, Mr. Boyadero? I feel like this has been something we've kind of overlooked. Uh, the Boyadero grunts. Well, in recent years, due to my pleasant musk, I have been named Good Smeller. Good, good Smeller. All right. Um, and that one's Sap Drinker, and that one's Sand Kicker. That one is... Just make up the names. Uh, uh, Lasso Hurler. And that one is a banjo player. And I can remember all of these without having to write them down. It's like these names just, you know, they, they, they make more sense to me, Marty says, because they're not just a random collection of phonemes. Uh, Sapdicker <laughs> leans over to Sandkicker and says, Oh boy, it's amazing he remembers his own name. We should call him Name Rememberer. <laughs> <laughs> the Sheriff Dandelion waves everybody to, to quiet down and says, All right, um, good smeller, Anthony. Um, as I smell her so silly as I, sorry, <laughs> it's great. It's, I like how it's silly because the Brinson Boydero is so like threatening, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. As I understand it, the main issue aside from Anthony's, uh, greediness, uh, come back to bite him in the bum again. And Anthony rolls his eyes aside from Anthony's greediness. I think the main issue is trying to adjust, um, flesh people as, as you've called us. Uh, to tumble people um, from my understanding is we do actually already live among each other and uh, Sheriff Down Lion they uh, they glance at Heather who nods she looks at her notes and says yeah I I'm gonna have to check my magicology textbooks on this one's but my hexology textbooks on this one but I I it appears there are two towns on top of each other sort of thing. All right. Or in between? In between, on top of the actual uh, logistical positioning of the towns isn't as important to me as how the people get along with one another. And by my understanding, and Sheriff Dandelion glances at uh, back and forth between Anthony and the Boyardero, these bullets and this revolver are what caused the uh, separation of the towns and can thus undo it. Is that is that correct? <coughs> yeah, yes. Um, uh, good smeller, the Boyadero says. Was that uh, Georgina of yours? The Tapper woman <coughs> who tricked us all those years ago. 
Georgina Tappertown. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I I'm not super familiar with the uh, you know the intricate details of the frontier war. Um, but I think of that as my own failing. Now looking at at you all, um, I ought to have known. Anthony, can I see the uh, can I see the bullets? Fine. Anthony growls, but I still expect payment for them. I think we can we can work something out. Uh, as Sheriff Dandelion looks over the bullets. Now, the other matter, I'm going to have to review this with the, the Council of Flesh People. Um, and we'll, I know it's, it sounds horrific, but I'm trying to keep the, the monikers, uh, you know, as neutral as I can here. Um, who is the best uh, spokesperson or counsel for, for the Tumble People? Who, who should be the, the point of reference? Mm. Everybody looks at the Brimstone Boyadero and uh, Good Speller. <clears throat> uh, in previous times, it would have been me, but all decisions I ever made, I made in tandem with my wife. And if I pass on, I would hope that she would carry on our tradition. So if my fellow tumble folk would accept this, I would put her name forward. Oh boy, <laughs> says Sap Drinker. Really? Well, dresser? I was gonna. Wait, she wait, would be perfect for the job. <laughs> what were you gonna name her? <laughs> uh, um, I was gonna say I'll Beer. I'll Beer? <laughs> well, I'll be. <laughs> you got it. You're kidding me. <laughs> oh boy. I'll be here. I'll be here. I hardly know. No. Uh, Sad wow. drinker. I hardly know. Okay. My The grammar part of my brain just imploded. I'll be here. And uh, what is what is your, your wife's name? Is this the same woman that uh, our deputy Heather, I mean, intern Heather met? The Boyadero nods. Tall. Beautiful. And, uh. Always dressed in the finest garments. Uh, that's your wife. Where's where's she now? Probably gallivanting around in her invisible town. <laughs> Sometimes she goes out to look for me, but I hope she's not too worried. Um, I think actually. She probably should be worried because you are on like the brink of death, um, good smeller, sir. <clears throat> Maybe we can get her here. Uh, <coughs> <coughs> before we at least temporarily adj- adjourn the meeting, um, I would ask for this revolver. Would you be willing to to let me keep the revolver? Of course, it is yours, and the and the the implications of its usage still belong to your people. Um, but if I'm going to take, if I'm going to be taking Anthony's bullets, I think I ought to also be holding on to the revolver. Before, <clears throat> and one of the boyaderos coughs, plops loose a carrot from his chest, and it tumbles to the ground. Before I do give you this gun I tell me what does that one do and he points a twiggy finger at the revolver holstered just over Dandelion's left shoulder um you want to know what my revolvers do what does that one do well this one you shoot into a clogged toilet and it unplumbed like it, it fixes the plumbing okay, for the okay. whole yeah, yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you flesh people in your weird excretions. Uh, we don't have that sort of problem. Okay, what does that one do? And he points at the next one. Uh, this one, I don't use this one very often because it, it's a little invasive, but it, it creates a small zone where you cannot uh, speak lies. Um, but you have to scream something when you when you shoot it. You have to scream a zone of truth. That sounds like a very convoluted reference to a cool podcast. Anyway, the third one. 
Oh, I know that one, Heather says. I know it from, oh, uh, she's embarrassed for a moment. Anyway, uh, that one, <laughs> that one's for children, a, a toy, sort of. It, it shoots rubber duckies, rubber, rubber animals, and, and the like. That sounds fun, <laughs> Sapcracker says. Yes, it's um, it's for fairs and and the such. It. <coughs> <coughs> the boyadero doesn't bother speaking at this point; just points at the next gun. And this game repeats a few more times. There's a cavity remover. There's one that that blows out the candles on a birthday cake. There's a crow repopulator. I mean, one one is actually handcuffs. <laughs> um, but but they're fuzzy handcuffs. Fuzzy handcuffs, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 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 But even though the whole room chuckles at the, the fact that the last one is fuzzy handcuffs, there's one person in the room who doesn't laugh, and they just lay ever so still in the bed, an open wooden box and a revolver in their outstretched hand. We cut to the, the rising sun. The party has been moving and talking and negotiating all night. And it was only in the bare itches of the morning that Anthony arrived. And so it's still quite early when the whole party returns. To Tapper Talon Gulch and Tumble Talon Gulch. The party is rather large. Anthony coming hesitantly into town, even though he prefers to stay out of it. Heather and Marty Green atop of one of the gecko stallions. Um, a long stone box on a small cart being pulled by an especially large iguana mustang carted behind a parade of four tumblefolk, all dressed in black. Leading the party is our own Sheriff Dandelion, head low, hat on their chest, an extra revolver in their bandolier, prepared to have a few hard conversations as they head to the no-name saloon. Here's an idea. We cut to Tumbletown and Gulch, an invisible town, its roads crisscrossing over those of Tappertown and Gulch, its invisible houses leaning up right against those of Tapper Talon Gulch, and in the middle of the road, right in front of another saloon that stands back to back with the no-name saloon, is Conway. And he's watching as this party comes trotting down the dusty road. Well, you weren't wrong, says Conway. There they are, all together, and nobody's been hurt. Well, I'm glad to see that. He turns his head, and we see our tall, knobby-kneed tumblewoman standing now, leaning against the railing at the front of the saloon, one hand over her mouth in horror. You're wrong, Conway. Someone has been hurt. And she looks at the stone casket on the cart at the back of the group. And Conway inhales through his teeth and says, well, I'll be. But the tumblewoman is already off of the steps of the saloon and down on the sand, running for the iguana mustangs and the rest of the party. But she runs right through, right through the words, right through Sheriff Dandelion, right through Marty Green and Heather. Wait, is she tangible right now? Not right now. The rules and when they are and aren't is kind of fuzzy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. And right up to the casket. Could smell it. My man, how could, how could this happen? And then she looks up at the group and sees Anthony and Dandelion and the other two flesh people riding alongside her four remaining tumblefolk companions. And her tumblefolk companions can actually see her because, ah, Magic system isn't that <laughs> tightly defined right now. And I think we had a feeling that they could sort of switch back and forth between the yeah. tangible and intangible realms. So, and Sap Drinker lowers his head and gently nods at Albier. What happened? 
Someone, stop, stop and explain. Tell me what happened. And the caravan stops. The tumble folk stop their iguana mustangs first. And then Dandelion turns around and notices. They're all looking down at somebody Dandelion can't see. Whoever it is, they're on their knees, pulling at Sap Drinker's pants, weeping, clutching against Sap Drinker for support. And, and they can all see on the faces of Sand Kicker and the others how powerless they feel. Conway watches as doors open along the main thoroughfare of Tapper Talon Gulch. The door to Doc Vanna's house opens and the dock peeks out. Mama Leslie leans out of the attic window of the saloon. Uh, Victoria Barber extends a leg <laughs> through the door. <laughs> and even Friar Pendleton comes stumbling out of his church, though it might be a coincidence. <laughs> the whole town sees clearly four tumble people on the edge with a large stone casket between them. Whispers echo through the gulch as people voice their confusion, their, their terror, their prejudice against these creatures they've either not heard about at all or maybe heard about as so-called hell riders. And Dandelion does their best to calm everybody, as do Heather and Marty Green. Everyone, everyone, that includes you, Friar Pendleton, no, this way. All right, everyone, I need Pendleton you guys to- Pendleton is inside a barrel right now, rolling around <laughs> and, and yelping at the top of his lungs. All right, you can do your uh, morning ritual. I know it's <laughs> I know it's Thursday morning and you're- It's the 9 a.m. <laughs> service. It's the 9 a.m. service and it's about to start. <laughs> but you can you just, yeah, can you just hold off for a second here? And Pendleton actually stops rolling around in his barrel and stops burping. I, I need to talk to everyone. There's no easy way to say this, um, but we've made terrible, unfixable mistakes. We, we without even knowing it, and some of us while knowing it. Mama Leslie, I'm looking at you. Don't you dare pull out that revolver. But we do have a chance to fix something. We can't fix everything, but we can fix something. So these next few weeks are going to be real hard, real fucking hard. But it's the right thing to do. And I know that matters to us, to all of us. Even you, Anthony, I know that matters to you, too. And yes, you will be paid, but... I better be with you. We're going to have a council meeting tonight. Everything is canceled, because I'm going to need you guys to, to meet a few people. Meet a few neighbors that you ought to have met long ago. Things are about to change around here. And with those words, Dandelion raises the legendary revolver that once belonged to Georgina Tappertalon and fires a single shot into the air. Little post scene, little post scene, little post scene. <laughs> I I know what I want it to be. Okay, I got I got one. You got one. Let, you do yours first. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> hey, uh, Mama Leslie, why did you shoot me, Mama? You know I've been taking care of you for like sixty years. Why did you shoot me? Uh, where 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 did my toes go? Oh no, <laughs> no. Where, where did Leslie, my Mama Leslie? Toes... You can't get away with that sort of thing. You can't get away with that with me. I know that you know your toes are gone. It was a ricochet shot, Conway. I didn't mean to shoot you. I meant to shoot that that boyadero fella. All right, Mama. And I was only shooting him with a with a intangibility bullet, not with a kill killing bullet. 
we're going to have to have a talk about the uh, effects of uh, generations of racial trauma. We're going to have to have a conversation. And no, don't you even pick up your toes, uh, Carmen. No, oh, my toes don't exist. Uh, I'm crazy. I'm, I'm old. I don't want to learn new things. Goodbye. Okay. <laughs> uh, here's, here's my post-credit scene. Um, while, while everybody's gathering in the town for their dramatic final scene, uh, on a hill a little ways outside, a farmer sits on a bucket next to a bucket, patting his old horse, old girl, and makes little little r- rings with his hands around his eyes like binoculars, trying to see what's going on down there. Oh boy, old girl. Looks like they have a, a whole person full of carrots down there. Oh. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Uh, and he lowers his hand binoculars. Looks like I might be getting a couple more years for manslaughter. <sighs> and he bites off a carrot. <laughs> Hey, everybody, thanks for listening to this very fun arc of Story Jazz. Um, We just wanted to leave you with one last quick comment before the episode ends. We stumbled on some topics that are actually pretty important to us, and we're not 100% sure we handled it as well as we could have. Uh, Part of that is we are worried about this white savior narrative um, that we sort of reinforced a little bit, um, which wasn't our intention. The story sort of came out that way. And we do want to uh, to assert that we we'd want to empower minority communities in in their search for uh, justice uh, and finding justice and empowering them to find justice themselves, um, rather than it being always a a white person finding justice on their behalf as as the white person sees it. Yeah. Well, you know what? I couldn't have said it better myself. Thanks, everybody.